Good morning, everyone. Yep, you uh, sound like I feel. That's great. Uh, my name is Stuart Mazell, and I'm pastor here. It's great to see all of you here, and thank you for those of you who are joining us online. I, I want to take just a minute to uh, thank our uh, young adults who are doing our Sunday school class down in the fellowship hall. You guys are doing a great job, and I'm just very thankful for you. So. Thank you for the work that you're doing there. And just if you haven't been to that Sunday school class and you're able to go, please come and see what they're doing. This is, this is part of what the church should be about. Um, younger people, older people, people in between, using their gifts, using their abilities to be able to build up the church. And that's, that's part of what we're all about. And it's just so great. So um, again, thank you for what you guys have been doing there. Uh, we're starting a new series today, uh, and it's entitled Humility Matters. We're only going to spend three weeks in this because apparently preaching on humility is really tough. So, um, but yeah, three weeks, and hopefully during that time, the Lord is going to help us to grow in what it means to be humble. Uh, but today we've got two passages, one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament. If you would like to turn in your own Bible and, and read along, you can, you're welcome to do that. The passages are Isaiah 66 and James 4. Isaiah 66, James 4. If you would prefer to read those passages on the screen, they will be there for you. Again, let me remind you that this is God's word. It is always true and always good for us to hear. And from Isaiah 66, we read in God's word, Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me and what is the place of my rest? All these things my hand has made and so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look, he who is humble and contrite in spirit, and trembles at my word. And then from James chapter 4, starting in verse 4. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. 
Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will exalt you. Let me pray for us. Father, uh, you are uh, the giver of every good and perfect gift, and you have given us this good and perfect gift of your word. Uh, Will you help us to be those who hear your word and respond to it with faith, uh, with repentance, and with obedience? And since we're talking about humility today, Lord, work in us humility by your Spirit, that you would not have to humble us, but that we would humble ourselves and show us more of the beauty of humility. And most of all, fix our eyes on Jesus, our humble Savior, and help us to see more of his beauty and how he humbled himself for us so that we too would be willing to humble ourselves for your glory and for the good of others in the church and even for the good of people around us in our community. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So once upon a time, there was a man out walking his dog at night. And about halfway through his normal route with the dog, he looked up and saw a UFO coming down out of the sky. And and the UFO actually landed right in front of him and his dog. And a door opened up and an an alien walked out. You know what I mean, the one that has like the big head with no hair and the big black eyes and gray skin? That kind of alien. And the alien stepped out and said, Greetings. We have been observing your planet for some time. And we have come to the conclusion that you are the best specimen of your species. Because of this, we would like to impart to you all of our advanced knowledge and wisdom that it may improve life upon your planet. And the guy stood there and was just stunned. And then after a few seconds of silence, he said, you know, I've been waiting all my life for a moment like this. I knew ever since I was a small kid that I was special. I I knew it. And I knew I was going to make a huge impact on this world. And all those kids in school that made fun of me and all those guys at work who think I'm nothing, they'll see how important I really am I'm ready to receive whatever you have to give me, Mr. Alien. And the alien said, "Uh, I was talking to your dog. (laughs) Now that's a really silly story. But it makes a point. The point being that there are times when all of us have a tendency to think more highly of ourselves than we really ought. We're all tempted to have a higher estimation of ourselves than what actually accords with reality. And we call that tendency pride, maybe arrogance, conceit, big-headedness, 
or my favorite, the one that my parents used to tell me when I was a kid, son, you're being too big for your britches. If you don't know what that is, look it up on Google. It basically means you're full of yourself. And C.S. Lewis, before we get into the actual points of the sermon, C.S. Lewis has this great chapter in Mere Christianity on humility and pride. And one of the quotes that uh, I think is really helpful for us is this. There is one vice of which no man, no person, in the world is free, which everyone in the world loathes when he sees it in someone else, and of which hardly any people, except Christians, ever imagine that they are guilty themselves. The vice I am talking of is pride or self-conceit, and the virtue opposite to it is called humility. And that's really what we want to talk about in this sermon and in the series, the differences between pride and humility and showing how humility matters, how humility is better. Pride is wanting to exalt ourselves. Humility is the willingness to lower ourselves. Let's just start with that definition. Pride is the desire to exalt ourselves. Humility is the desire or the willingness to lower ourselves. And that's part of what we're going to be talking about throughout the series, but especially today. And the big picture that I want us to take away from today is this, that humility matters to God. All right? Humility matters to God. Now, let me say real quickly, there may actually be somebody here or somebody who's watching uh, online who doesn't believe in God. That's possible. Or maybe you've got questions about God. And and I I get it. I understand. And I don't want anyone to feel like we're just talking over issues. But I do want you to understand that as as a pastor who is preaching from the scriptures, that this is where we find our, our final truth. And if you have questions and you want to talk more about why we believe in God or you've got questions about, well, what kind of God is there? I would love to have those conversations with you. I would love to. But for this service, we are sticking with just what we see in Scripture as a presupposition, okay? Does everybody understand that? All right, thanks. So humility matters to God. Isaiah 66.2, which we read earlier, but this is the one to whom I will look, God says, And when he's saying, I look, he's not just saying, I'm looking at you. He's saying, the one that I regard, the one that I'm going to give my favor to. Who is it? The one who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. The person who is willing to lower themselves, not exalt themselves, but lower themselves. The person who is willing to say, this is my sin and I'm sorry for it and I hate it. And the person who, when he hears God's word, he hears it and he says, I want to live by that. And I know if I don't live by that, trouble is coming. That's the kind of person that God says he regards favorably. Because humility matters to God. Or let's read in James 4, 6. God opposes the proud 
but he gives grace to the humble. If a person is full of themselves, full of pride, wanting to exalt themselves, God opposes that person, but the person who is willing to lower themselves, God gives that person grace. So humility matters to God. And not just in these two passages, I would say you'd be hard-pressed to find a a book of the Bible where humility isn't encouraged and pride isn't discouraged in some fashion or form. From Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation, humility is always something that is valued in God's eyes. And pride is something that is seen as bad, (laughs) as not good. So humility matters to God. And part of the reason why humility matters to God is that pride is not only a sin, It is central to what sin is. See, this is one of those things that I sometimes think we don't recognize. That pride is not only a sin, and it is a sin, but it is central to what sin is. Let's, Let's think about it this way. What is sin? When we use the word sin as Christians, what do we mean by that? What we're saying is anything that we do or say or think that goes against the grain of how God created us to live. Anything that we do or say or think that goes against the grain of how God created us to be. Now, we were created to love God and to love others. But sin causes us to do things like ignore God, to shun Him, to oppose Him. And sin causes us to do the same for others. We ignore others, or we shun others, or we even hate or dislike others. Think about it this way. Even as Christians, how many prayerless days have you had in your own life? A prayerless day is basically saying, I don't need God. That's pride. Or think about the times where we've neglected Scripture, where we've made big decisions without even considering what God may be saying in His Word. That's pride. Or think about those horrible things that we say about other people who are on the other side of the aisle. You know, people who think differently and act differently, you know, like people on the other side of the political realm from us, or even the religious realm. And we say and think really nasty things about them. At the foundation of all of that is pride. Because we think we're better. That's what pride does. We think we're better. We think we know better. We think we deserve more. We're tempted to believe that we don't need God and we don't need others. Pride is not only a sin, it is central to what sin is. I mean, think about it for a moment. There's no one that would ever say, oh, well, what you did was a humble sin. It doesn't even make sense, right? Sin is rebellion against God. There's no such thing as a humble sin. Every time we sin, every single time, we are functionally saying, God, 
I know you created me. I know you know what's best for me. I know that you sustain every breath that I breathe and every beat of my heart, but you know what? I don't care about that. I want to do what I want to do. That's pride. And we're functionally saying, you know what? I don't really care what I do or what I say or how I think, how it affects other people. I mean, I'm worthy and they're not. That's pride. And it's central to what sin is. Take any sin and follow it down the path and you'll find pride somewhere mixed into it. The bad news is we all got those tendencies and God opposes the proud. That's not really great news, is it? God opposes the proud. Why does he oppose the, pro the proud? God opposes the proud because the proud oppose him. I mean, that's, that's really what pride is. We're opposing, we're opposing God. And so God opposes the proud because the proud oppose him. Again, James 4, 6, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Another quote from C.S. Lewis that I think is helpful. As long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. That's a great C.S. Lewis understood something about pride and humility. I would recommend, if you haven't read Mere Christianity, and especially that chapter, read it. It, it is full of wonderful wisdom about pride and humility. But, I mean, what Lewis is saying here is true. What we end up doing is we look down on others, we look down on things, and we can't see what is above us, namely our God. So when we think or act or speak in pride, we are opposing God. And that's what James is getting at in James 4, 4, by the way, where he says that really strong language. And he, remember, he's talking to the church here. You adulterous people. Wow. You know, if I started every sermon with, you adulterous people, I don't think I'd be in this pulpit long. I don't think I'd be preaching here long. You know why? Because we don't like to hear those things. They're calling us out. But James goes right for it, and he says, You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity? Enmity with God. You're opposing God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. What, what James is saying is, if you are saying, I don't need to do it God's way, I want to do it my way, or I want to do it the way that everybody else is doing without reference to God in any sense, you're opposing God. You may not be actively thinking, oh, I'm opposing God, but that's what you're doing. Hmm. 
Think about a two-year-old. What does a two-year-old do when the two-year-old is playing with her toys? And you say, hey, sweetie, um, we're getting ready to go to the park. But the kid really wants to play with the toys. What does that kid do? Usually, and that's why we call it the terrible twos, right? Scrunch up their face. Maybe they squeeze their hands into closed fists and they say, No! I don't want to! But the park will be a lot of fun for you, honey. No! I don't want to! Right? If you've ever had an experience with a two-year-old, you've, you've seen that. One thing for a two-year-old to do that. It's quite another thing for a full-grown adult to basically do the same thing. Yet we've all been there, haven't we? We've all been like that kid, scrunching up our face, squeezing our fist and saying, No, God, I don't want to. That's pride. And God opposes that. But the good news is this, that God gives grace to those who humble themselves. Why? Because they are in a posture to receive. I want you to think about that. God gives grace to the humble, to people who humble themselves because they are in a posture to receive. Again, think about that two-year-old child. Scrunched face, closed fists, there's no reception there. They're not in a posture of receiving anything. They're just trying to hold on to their own control. But open those fists up. Let that face not be scrunched up and just like looking longingly. Okay, whatever you want, dear parent, I will receive from your hand. Right? Now, I know no two-year-old is going to say, whatever you want, dear parent. But you see what I'm saying? That's, that is a posture of reception. And that is why when we humble ourselves, God pours out His grace upon us. Because the picture of pride, just get it in your head, the picture of pride is the two-year-old scrunched up like this. The picture of humility is receptive. Receiving. Not closed fists, but open hands. Not resistance, but saying to God, whatever you have for me, I willingly receive it. And oh boy, what he has to give us is pretty wonderful. In fact, what the humble receive from God is breathtakingly wondrous. What the humble receive from God is breathtakingly wondrous. Again, think about James 4, 6. God opposes the proud, but gives what? Grace to the humble. What kind of grace are we talking about here? The grace that forgives 
all of your sins. Not just some, not just the little ones, all of it. It's the kind of grace that adopts orphans into the family of God with all the rights and privileges that the family of God would have. It's the kind of grace that clothes us with a righteousness that we do not deserve. It is the kind of grace where God comes to dwell with us, and not just with us, but in us by His Spirit. Think about that. The holy, holy, holy God who cannot stand sin finds his home in the hearts of redeemed sinners. Wow. It's the kind of grace found in the Son of God, Jesus, who humbled himself. He left the glories of heaven, the wonders of heaven, and He came to be born as a baby who would grow up to die for crimes that He did not commit, and He did that for us. That we would have God's grace. That we would have His love in abundance. That we would have everything that God has to offer. If you think humbling yourself sounds bad, think about what God gives to the humble. But there's even more. Maybe you've heard this verse before and you've just kind of skimmed over it. I want you to really think about it for a moment. James 4.10 Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will exalt you. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will exalt you. You know, the only time in Scripture where we're talking about exalting someone is usually God. God is to be exalted. God is to be praised. God is to be worshipped. God is to be lifted up, right? And here, God is saying, if you humble yourselves before me, I will exalt you. I will exalt you by conforming you to the image of my Son. I will exalt you by giving you the ability to rule and reign with my Son forever. I will exalt you by allowing you to share in my Son's glory. That, that's amazing, folks. You see why I'm saying it's breathtakingly wondrous to say that God gives grace to the humble. It's not just a, oh, you know, you're humbling yourself, okay, that's nice. I won't wipe you off the face of the earth. No, it is not only that. It is, I want to give you everything I have to offer. Everything. I want to exalt you. Wow. 
So if you like something specific to do, this one is easy. Your action point for this week would be humble yourself. That's easy. <laughs> Not really. It's easy in concept. So maybe you're asking, okay, well, Stuart, what does it look like to humble myself? I don't really know. Well, let, let's talk about that a little bit. What does it look like to humble yourself? Let's start with just three things today. First, admit when you're wrong. Pride shows its ugly head so quickly when someone says, you're wrong about that. And we know we're wrong, but we don't want to admit it. We've all been there. We've all done that, got the t-shirt, we can prove it. It's, it's just something that we all do. But that is pride, that is not humility. You wanna grow in humility, you wanna humble yourself, the next time someone says, you know what, that was something that you shouldn't have done or you shouldn't, you shouldn't say that or, you know, that's, that's not right, and you recognize you're wrong, admit it on the spot. It will shock people. It really will. I mean, have you, have you ever gone up to someone and said, you're wrong about that, and they say, you know you're right. Thank you for doing that. Has, have you ever had that experience? It is very rare. Second, not only admit when you're wrong, invite correction. <laughs> that's, that's a step further. Not just admitting when you're wrong, but asking, could I be wrong? And don't just do these with other people. Remember, this passage in James says to humble yourself before the Lord. So admit when you're wrong to God. And invite correction, not just from other people, but from God. Think about like what the psalmist says in Psalm 139, 23. This is a great prayer to invite correction. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You hear the humility in that? Lord, if there's anything that's hidden in there that I don't see, show it to me. Invite correction, not only from other people, but from God. So, we're admitting when we're wrong, we're inviting correction, and then the third one, and this is the one that I... <laughs> uh, okay. I want you to wrestle with a question. Wrestle with this question. Do I have an entitlement mentality? Wrestle with that question. I'm not saying that you do but I am asking you to wrestle with it. And if you're wondering, what is an entitlement mentality? The great theologian Mitch Free, who was CEO of Zyke CNC Machining, just joking about the great theologian there, says, people who feel entitled take for granted what they have and keep asking for more. And the more they get, the more they expect. They focus more on what they are owed than what they contribute. So, wrestle with the question, 
Does that fit me at all? Do I have that kind of entitlement mentality? I, I can tell you, it's like the air we breathe in this country. So I'd be surprised if many of us would be able to say, no, I don't have an entitlement mentality. If so, I would think you probably don't know yourself very well. I can tell you, wrestling with these three three things myself, uh, it's been tough. Been really tough. Last week at our staff meeting, we were talking about preparation for this particular service, and Nathan, our beloved assistant pastor, um, said to me, so I see that you're going to be preaching about humility this Sunday. And I said, yep, that's right. And with a very concerned look on his face, Nathan said to me, I'll be praying for you. Which in my mind could only mean, Stuart, you need a lot of prayer on that because you are obviously not very humble. And he assured me that that was not what he meant. But if the shoe fits, and it does. You don't know how many times this week I've seen my own pride come out in numerous ways. I don't want someone telling me that I'm wrong. And I don't want to admit that I'm wrong. And I have seen more of an entitlement mentality in my own heart and mind this week than I think I ever have. That's probably God's way of humbling me as I'm trying to preach about humility. It's hard. We need Jesus badly when it comes to this. We need the Holy Spirit to empower us badly to have real humility. I need the Spirit, you need the Spirit, I need Jesus, you need Jesus. So by the power of the Spirit and in the name of Jesus, let's humble ourselves. Knowing our God, he promises he will exalt us. And let me pray for us that that will happen. Father, we we pray in the name of Jesus. Pray in the name of Jesus for me and for these folks and for all who are listening to this, that you, by your Spirit, would empower us to humble ourselves. That we would see the ugliness of pride and the beauty of humility. And we would run to humility. That we would humble ourselves before you. And Lord, when it's hard to humble ourselves, give us that vision of what it means after we humble ourselves. Just as you exalted Jesus from the grave. And now he has a name that is above every name. And, every, and one day every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord for your glory, Father. So too, when we humble ourselves, you will lift us up. You will exalt us. Help us to see that, to know that grace always runs downhill so that we don't want to try to stay on the mountaintop, but we want to stay where we 
experience your grace. Help us in this. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.